Hey everyone, welcome to a new podcast, the Bull and Moose Tavern podcast, a new political slash drinking podcast with uh, Aaron Ruby. What is up? Uh, Man, I think we chose the weekend to start a political podcast in America. This is perfect. I mean, um, cities are on fire. Um, Literally. Yeah, literally on fire. Um, COVID is still happening and our government, our uh, president's on Twitter screaming law and order and Antifa is a terrorist group. So, um, we are just in a great place. We are, we are. Um, I think it was best summed up today by a picture that I saw of a Purell bottle duct taped to a pole. I saw that and, one. Uh, basically, uh, you know, be safe while you're looting. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, you know, it's an introductory episode. We should kind of tell yeah. people what this is going to be about. Explain so let's start with the fun stuff before we probably get into talking about this weekend a little bit. Yeah. So we're going to review a beer or drink at the beginning of each episode. So we've got uh, Founders frangelic mountain brown this time around yeah this was your choice this is um, my choice it was easy for you to find because Wakeman's you chose it. it yeah um i had to go on an adventure <laughs> which included uh six different stores and then a curbside pickup with a frantic phone call to beers of the world and i'm pretty sure they thought i was insane because my kid was in the back seat who did no longer wanted to be in the car so i have not tried this yet I told you that it came with four and I was willing to leave two in my garage no, for you to part, pick up. Part of this whole experience is having to get the beer. Next next time I get to choose and I'm going to pick something weird and, and obscure <laughs> that's only sold in like one store in America. Um, and you have to go find it. But uh, Are you going to do that, no. uh, that $220 bottle of Sam Adams that you have to get like from the factory? <laughs> I don't think I'm that committed. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah. That is so, actually pretty good. It is. I like dark beers. It's definitely a dark beer because it's a brown ale brewed with hazelnut coffee. Um, it is by far not a chugging beer, but I don't think any <laughs> founders beers are chugging beers. Um, they all are it's like not their niche. No, their niche is a meal in a bottle. And, uh, mm. yeah, this is probably the calories of an entire meal, meal in a bottle. And it's uh, pretty good at 9% alcohol. Oh, that's going to be perfect for today's podcast. Yeah, 36 IBUs for those 
who really drink and need to know the IBU level too. It's all in the bottle here. Oh yes, absolutely. Go pick up those IBUs today. Yep. As uh, someone who is not a beer snob, as my uh, co-host Jake, um, it has alcohol in it. Oh, I'm not a beer snob. Uh, (laughs) I happen to know what an IBU is just because when we were working in the office, um, my office was across the street from the Jenny Brew House, so sometimes we would do lunch there. And going down one of the staircases, um, the IBU refers, I think, to the darkness of the beer, and they literally have like a wall that's painted different colors and says what each color IBU level is. So I think this is reference to a darker beer. I will take your word for it. I trust you. So, um, we might touch on the beer as we go along. I'm quite enjoying this. I will probably drink all four of these <laughs> over the time. Not tonight. Um, oh, I, I was gonna... and... I, I want to wake up in the morning. Um, yeah, but our podcast will be so much more interesting, and our, our three listeners will enjoy it so much more if we finish off the four-pack. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to some dark areas of politics uh if we go there so uh before we go into politics the other thing i'm going to try to let you know about and i will keep on me through these podcasts is i got this uh, book here um right before lockdown started i went down to austin texas with the wife and mm-hmm. one of the things i went and did is i went to lbj's presidential library um Ooh. very cool building didn't care too much about the walking tour, but I very much enjoyed the architecture and stuff of the building. And I picked up this book uh, in the bookshop or the gift shop, and it's the U.S. Constitution and Other Key American Writings. And it's just a collection of American writings. And, you know, I figured it might be a good reference for things as we go along. That'll so be good. I'll keep this by my side. So while at the LBG library, um, did you see any hints as to his plot to assassinate Kennedy, or did he keep that out of his library? They kept that out of his library. Um, it was a lot about what he did for civil rights. Um, not so much about how he had JFK assassinated so he could become president. Okay. Um, kind of ignored that fact a little bit. Do we both agree and accept that uh, that conspiracy theory? You know, last podcast on the left did a think six part series on JFK's assassination. And that's one of the things they covered. But I think one of the most convincing theories in the entire podcast was that JFK was accidentally assassinated by the Secret Service accidentally assassinated interesting accidentally assassinated by the secret service so uh this is not a conspiracy podcast so i'll try to just give you the high level overview of what happened um oswald was a bad shot uh and he did shoot at the president and missed um the secret service was riding in a car behind the president and they had all gone drinking the night before except this one secret service agent He had been given um, this new gun into the Secret Service. This was the first time the Secret Service was going out with this gun. He stood up when he heard the shot, and there are rumors that you can see him take a shot. Um, And 
what the theory is, is when he stood up, the safety was off, the car bumped, and he pulled the trigger, and he killed the president. And um, one of the more convincing things on this was the week after the president was killed, this gun was taken out of service for the Secret Service after only being there for a week. So, that is fascinating. We will yeah. save that for another podcast. Yes, that that <laughs> can be a different podcast. But I don't know if I buy the LG, LBJ theory now because of that. There's so many theories around that. Yes, there are. So yeah. I think we should. Uh... Should we get into what our podcast is actually about? I just got to say this to sort of explain why we're doing this and uh, what we will eventually be going into. Uh, I had so much fun on your other podcast and just uh, spitballing and talking about topics that uh, neither one of us should have the authority to talk about. And uh, that was just so much fun that uh, I suggested we do this. And here we are. I, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, So what do you want to start with? I mean, I guess, you know, we didn't prepare a topic. I think in the future we're going to prepare something and talk about something specific. But we yeah, should this talk was about sort of the world is on fire. Yeah. Yeah. This week and this weekend. Um, so it is May 31st, 2020 right now. Um for those of you who aren't paying attention to the news, on Memorial Day, an African-American man, uh, George Floyd, was killed by a police officer. Uh, let's this... say murdered. Murdered. He was straight up murdered by a police yeah. officer. Let's, uh, let's be fair. <laughs> the police officer put his knee on his neck and pretty much choked him to death um, in a bad arrest attempt. A series of events unfolded after that including some very peaceful protest, which midweek turned for the worse, turned to rioting in Minneapolis and protests spread out across America. And along with that, the rioting has spread across America, including in our own town, Rochester, New York. Yep. Um, I think to start out what, the police did were was very wrong all four officers should be arrested i think at this point only the murderer has been arrested and he's been charged with third degree third degree third degree third degree for choking a man to death yeah for mm -hmm. in broad daylight for using a man a, that was handcuffed for on the ground supposedly using a counterfoot 20 dollar bill that that was his crime so Ridiculous. I think I, to start out, <laughs> I, I, su I support the Black Lives Matter movement in this. Um, this was an unjustified murder of someone by the police. 100%. Um, my whole belief and view on the situation, of, and I've had this belief for quite a while, um, the counter argument that always pops up every time a white cop kills a black man 
for no good reason is it's just a few bad apples. You know, we just, you know, it's not all cops. Most cops are good. And I'm not saying all cops are bad because that's too far in the other direction. But here's the problem with our whole entire police system. You carry guns. You carry lethal weapons. You shouldn't be able to have a few bad apples. That's like Strong Hospital saying, look, most of our surgeons are really good, but we have a few bad apples. I mean, look, 95% of all of our surgeries go perfectly smooth. Yes, we have one or two surgeons that when they operate on an African-American just don't want to do it and end up killing the guy. But look, these are isolated incidents. It's not a big deal. The rest of our surgeons are really good. You don't get to have your police. You have a loaded weapon on you at all times. You don't get to have a few bad apples. You want to have a few bad apples? Fine. Don't have guns. Don't have lethal weapons. Be like England. That, you, then, at that point, I don't care if you have a few bad apples, because guess what? Most of the rest of the country is armed. You're going to stay in check real quick. And from someone who owns a business, has employees, I feel sometimes that my standards for salespeople are higher than what a lot of police precincts have in the country. Like, you know, if one of my employees posts a racial slur online and I find out about it, I'm probably going to fire them. At the very least, they're going to get reprimanded and not be allowed to interact with people again. I don't understand what the fuck's going on with police in this country. Well, I think uh, I know some cops. The cops I know are good guys. There are definitely bad Apple cops. I'm not saying that all cops are bad. I am saying that when there's a bad apple in a police force, it looks a lot worse because they end up murdering people and getting caught on video doing it. Um, I think part of the issue comes down to we have militarized our police. Mm -hmm. We have stopped the protect and serve portion of police forces. Um, there are a lot of police forces where they don't come from the community they work in. They don't care about the community they work in. Uh, they are revenue generators for the state in fines and tickets. Yep. And that is stuff that is more important to them. And they don't mind getting a little rough on people because they don't care. Um, right. They don't have anything else going on. I think the other issue, and this will probably be something we might get into on this podcast, is there has been an infiltration of white supremacist groups into the police force. And they think that because they're behind that badge, they can get away with more. And it's been proven they can get away with more because DAs and other law enforcement don't hold count cops to the same accountability. And that allows certain police officers to act worse. Let's talk about, and I don't know this cop's name, to be honest. Um, the murderer from this week was yeah. already reprimanded once for shooting at and trying to kill a person. And Amy Klobuchar 
refused to prosecute it. Yeah. So oh, and uh, from what I read, the previous incident was against a Native American yeah. individual. So proven track record of being a racist piece of shit. And uh, yeah, she just looked the other way. Well, congratulations. Because you turned a blind eye, now the country's on fire. Good job. And, and let's just be fair on that. Not but a few days before this, it was announced she was being vetted for a VP candidate for Joe Biden. Well, that just keeps the Democratic ticket train rolling through a steaming pile of shit on the way to hell. God, if he picks her after this, it, it, the level of tone deafness that will be coming from the Biden campaign is absolutely insane. Can we get someone else other than Biden? Here's my hope. I hope no. he... He dis something he drops out at the convention and there's just an open convention. Do you think it's gonna be Biden all the way? I think it's gonna be Biden all the way. And I think if anything happens, um Elizabeth Warren has bowed down to enough corporate interest now that she might have a strong chance of taking the nomination, even though she barely took the electoral votes to keep moving forward and Sanders would be the next logical choice based purely on electoral votes that he's holding. What about our shitty governor, Andrew Cuomo? He seemed to uh, position himself very nicely to swoop in at the last minute. You know, he um, he plays well on media, but more and more I'm starting to believe he doesn't know exactly what he's doing. Um, I mean, if we no. want to talk about a governor to take the Democratic ticket, it should be... Um, what, Inslee in Washington State or potentially Newsroom from California? Uh, they've also been doing a lot to try to protect their states, but they're not getting the media coverage that Cuomo is. Well, Newsom's been back and forth on bad policy, and he famously directed them to fill in a skate park with sand from the beach, so... I think that boneheaded move is kind of going to knock him out. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing the governor of uh, Colorado. They seem to be doing a pretty good job. I don't by chance happen to know them, so. First to legalize marijuana. Yeah. One of the I first mean, states to open up fully. I mean, haven't really had any issues there. If we want to talk about Cuomo and stupidity, the fact that he courted the pro marijuana group and then just when he won re-election was like ha I used you yeah <laughs> uh, he's such a joke um, well um, to get back to the police just for a quick second you brought up the whole you know part of the problem has been the over militarization of police and you know that you know, to tie it into what we're just sort of touching on right now, that whole, the whole militarization of police started with the war on drugs. Yeah. And it was this belief that, you know, we give hand-me-down military equipment to police forces, and you're absolutely right with what you said earlier, that completely takes the whole original purpose of a police force to serve and protect out the window when you have a basic paramilitary group 
you know, operating within something that's supposed to be, you know, law enforcement. Yeah. And the other issue that I think, you know, especially with the George Lloyd incident and, you know, everything that's been going on is, um, you know, not enough people, you know, are talking about or now they're probably they're starting to talk about it. But, you know, no one talked about the fact that, you know, there is this racial divide within how cops treat people. And, you know, look, we're both white guys. Okay. We, we can never know what, you know, has been going on, but especially now we have a duty to talk about it and to express what we see and what we see, you know, our fellow citizens and um, community members going through. And, you know, now is no longer the time to turn a blind eye. And especially with what's been going on with these, you know, protests, and then you have these riots that are going on after it, is my fear is, you know, Black Lives Matter is a beautiful movement, and it's something that needs to be protected and supported and pushed. And the problem is, I mean, what's been popping up everywhere is that there are fringe groups all over the fucking place. There are fringe groups that have been proven to be from the right. There are fringe groups that are being proven to be from the left. There's anarchists who just who the fuck knows where they sit that are hijacking these protests and turning them into riots. And all that's going to happen from the riots is make people numb to the fact they're not going to listen to the Black Lives Matter. And like, why? What the fuck? You know, how, how many more innocent people need to be killed by cops before you know something is done about it yeah um i'm probably going to go on a couple tangents here so let me start off with i could never identify with what's happening with a black person in america there are a couple times i've gotten pulled over and i i've gotten treatment from the cop that I don't think I would have gotten if I weren't white. It was very cordial. They let me off without tickets most of the time. They were very nice to me. Um, where I could see if I were a different race or something, they would be interacting with me differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the riot part gets very difficult. Um, there's a journalist slash podcaster I follow, Robert Evans, um, host of um, Behind the Bastards and a great podcast he was doing called It Could Happen Here. The first season, which he did just last year, was about the second American Civil War. So after this weekend, I decided to start re-listening to the podcast. I'm on episode three right now, and the things he were was offering up as a potential situation in America were hitting like we're hitting those points of rioting an economic collapse. He didn't even 
consider the fact we have a virus <laughs> as part of it and like all these tensions burning up and i i don't think that in most cases it's black life matter doing the rioting oh, i absolutely think absolutely not they're having peaceful protest and these agent provocateurs are coming in afterwards and i mean we've seen it on the videos we've seen that um in most cases the black protesters are having peaceful protest and it's white people doing the damage and going in i think it's a mix of these anarchists apparently was anarchist in rochester that started a lot of the damage and started the riots um i think without a doubt the alt-right is infiltrating some of these protests and using it as a linchpin to try to start a race war or try to turn us against black lives matter by like being like look how violent they are when they're really the ones starting the attacks right to escalate the cops and then once the cops get escalated and start shooting the rubber bullets at people that escalates the protesters and it leads to worse situations right so and then you got and then you got the third antifa throwing their shit into the ring you know trying to push us all to you know the far left in communism and it's just I, like you know i branch antifa in with anarchist because they do not seem to be an organized group they seem to be a title that people take on um well with to 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 combat that um because i've been hearing that a lot lately that antifa is more of a disorganized title than it is an actual organization um if, if you go with that thought process and that um, you know that path of thinking. That's exactly how ISIS operates. So, true, true. Because they have fun. no centralized leadership. They're more of an ideology than a real organization. Do I think Antifa is ISIS? No, obviously not. Do I think they're even a terrorist organization? Which the president called them that today. I don't think they are a terrorist organization. Most of the Antifa protests we saw pre-COVID were peaceful protests. So I don't know if I would branch, I think, just like the police force, Antifa has bad actors in it. And those are the most vocal ones for Antifa. I feel that if you're going to label Antifa as a terrorist organization, you should probably label the KKK as a terrorist organization as well. And the Proud Boys and a bunch of these militia organizations. I mean, the guy who was going to bomb a hospital of COVID patients a couple months ago was part of a right-wing militia. That was a terrorist act. I don't think he acted alone. People from that militia probably helped him in trying to plan it, so... See, now I'm glad that we only are going to have like two or three listeners because we're just pissing off all the radical groups. So oh, I yeah. think this is this is going to work out well for us. We absolutely. Are like, we, you, you all know, suck. <laughs> we're, we're not super moderate, but man, we are just falling right in the moderate middle. And absolutely. Off all the radical groups. Well, I feel like this is a really good point to just take a quick pause and sort of explain you and my mindset and how we think and how we operate we're we're both moderates um we, we both think in the middle 
I label myself as a true centrist because, you know, I, I bounce all over the spectrum when it comes to things. I, if I'm being completely honest in my overall worldview, while I am a moderate and a centrist, I think I lean ever so slightly to the right. You are a moderate. You lean ever so slightly to the left. Um so if uh, you are joining this podcast to see, you know, two people of the same mind or one person on the far right and one person on the far left duke it out, you've come to the wrong place. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I think I think this is our podcast is probably going to confuse a lot of people because we'll get on topics and we'll probably start switching sides and uh, <laughs> no one will know what the fuck's going on. I thought I thought Aaron was supposed to be, you know, on this side. No. He's he's you know far the other way. Well, Jake's surely going to be on our side. Why the fuck is he on the other <laughs> side? Holy shit! What the fuck's going on here? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely the left leaning moderate in that I support universal basic income, universal health care. Um, there's a bunch of amendments to the Constitution I would like to see, including term limits on Congress. The inability to give themselves pay raises, hold stocks while they're in office, um, and a couple other things that, um, you know, I don't think should be considered far left opinions. But by some on the right um, and Fox News, if you were to hear those, they would be like, oh, my God, look at this progressive that's coming to tear down America. And I'm like, no, I'm I'm here to improve it. I think there can be honest debate. I mean, I I grew up in a Fox News household. Uh, I used to watch Fox and Friends in the morning. I listened to Glenn Beck. I listened to Michael Savage. Uh, I listened to Rush. Um, <laughs> and now I'm here. I don't agree with any of those guys' beliefs really anymore. Um, so I understand both sides, but I definitely have my opinions on things. Yeah. So I, uh, I had a fantastic professor in college and it was supposed to be a throwaway class because it was, it was a writing class and it was, um, the class was called, um, future technology and writing. And I didn't know what the hell I was in for. And the professor was super cool and totally out there and it was just a creative writing class um, focused on um, future tech and it was so cool. We had an entire class that was just based in Second Life because he truly believed that that was going to be the future and we all laughed and he turned at us and he said, you laugh, but uh, 30 years ago if you explained to someone that you would have a supercomputer in your pocket that you can... Uh, call someone and show your face and see their face halfway across the world you would have been burned at the stake for being a witch and i was like <laughs> okay fair enough all right i'm not gonna laugh at that but one of the best things he ever said and this is really what shaped me into becoming a true moderate because like you i grew up in a fox news household and there's nothing wrong with that and in college like most people you know, I leaned very far to the left and looked towards liberal things. And then I had this class and 
day two, our professor sat everybody down and he said, okay, there are going to be a number of opinion pieces and, um, you know, your point of view writings that you're going to have to do. And he goes, I have one rule in this class. If you cannot argue both sides of an argument, you are not entitled to an opinion. And he didn't mean that in a harsh way, as in, you know, if you haven't done the research on both sides, you know, I don't want to hear what you have to say. And he explained it. He literally said, if you don't understand both sides of the argument to the point that you could argue either side with the same vigor and backup information, you are not providing your own opinion. You are just regurgitating what someone else has said. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because up until that point, basically any opinion I had ever had had literally been, I heard someone say it and I went, that sounds good. I like that. That's my opinion now. (laughs) And I would just regurgitate it. And from that point forward, I then went, hmm. So if I'm going now, I'm a human being. I am flawed. So I still regurgitate shit that other people spew out when I'm too lazy to actually do research. But if I'm going to have a strong opinion about something, I will look into it. I will do the research and I will talk and mingle with both sides, internalize it, and then figure out what's right for me. And most of the time that leads me right into the middle, which means (laughs) I get hated by both sides. Um, Yeah. You you know, I've uh, sometimes I have a whole hard time holding an opinion because I'll listen to the other side and I'll be like, hmm, I can see where you're coming from. And it, you know, draws me more towards the middle, um, being able to see both sides. Now, there are some sides where I can be like, yeah, you're an absolute idiot. Uh, you're, you're wrong. Um, but that's few and far between on those. Um, those fall more towards the extremes uh, on people hold where I can be yep. like, no, the, you know, you know, an extreme is too much. And I definitely, uh, I, I was a political science major. I love politics. I like looking back at the old writings. So um, it's interesting to see how people put their own spins towards the writings of the founding fathers this day and age. I think it's safe to say that uh, both Jake and I believe, and I'm going to put words in his mouth while he drinks that uh, um, we believe what is most inherently wrong with our country is not the right or the left. It's the fact that there is a far right and a far left. And it's the, fringes on both sides that are fucking it up for the rest of us in the middle um you know we can probably i think i think we talked about going through the constitution in the first few episodes past episode zero like really going deep dive into the articles the bill of rights things like that and i think one of the things you'll find an opinion i hold is the fact that we were propped up to have a two-party system is part of our biggest downfall Um, We should have something closer to a parliament where parties are forming coalition governments um, to have control and get votes passed. But just because, you know, 
you have two parties in the coalition, there could be a bill that they don't agree on and a party could swing towards the conservative or the liberal side, even though this party's actually teamed with the liberals normally. Right. Um, and I think that falls down to what Washington said in his farewell address. He warned us about what party politics would get us to mm-hmm. and we're there today. Right. Um, party politics has got us where we are today and into the situations we're in today. Yeah. I mean, the problem that we're in right now is no one's talking to each other anymore. I mean, those who identify on the right and those who identify on the left are digging in their heels. It doesn't matter what you say. doesn't matter what facts are presented. doesn't matter what evidence you put in front of them. The right's going to run to the right and the left is going to run to the left. I mean, how did a fucking virus become a political stance? But it did. And it's because the two sides are so emboldened in their beliefs that, and, and I mean, one of the best um, sources that I've been getting information from during this whole COVID-19 um, situation, you know, just to, because there's just way too much noise out there is um, a person by the name of Z dog MD. Don't know if you're familiar with him. <laughs> I am but, not. So, you know, he, he has, uh, you know, he does uh, videos and stuff online and he's a true moderate. And he says that he explains, I'm a moderate. And, with most of the celebrity doctors right now on, you know, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, you know, and they put it, produce videos and they're like, you know, and YouTube famous doctors, you know, that produce videos that are like five minute, 10 minutes long. And, you know, they're, they're just screaming to whatever side they want to scream to. And it's funny cause his name is Z dog when he's a legitimate doctor, but, uh, you know, he puts out videos that are like 45 minutes, which, yeah, that's a slog. You know, that's long. But if you want to hear both sides or you want to understand what's really going on with an issue, you need to take the time to go through it. And like, look, there used to be a point in American history where a civil rights activist was able to sit down with a prominent member of the KKK and have a conversation about their differences. I mean, that wouldn't happen today, which, which is so fucked up because we're supposed to be in a better place now than we were then. And to say that 20 years, 30, 40 years ago, however long the fuck it was that, you know, a prominent black civil rights, you know, member was able to sit down with one of the heads of the KKK and have a respectful conversation. And today that would probably end up with one of them getting killed is mind blowing. And it's just, in my opinion, it's because the political division has just gotten so great in this country from exactly what you were saying. So I'm, we could probably have a whole episode or series of episodes of how we got here. I think there are 
three key factors that brought us to where we are today, and they've happened over the past 30 to 40 years. So first of all, I don't remember the name of the law, but there used to be a law in the books that if a news company was presenting an argument, they had to give a certain amount of time to the opposing side to present the counter argument. Mm -hmm. So news had to show both sides of a debate. They don't have to do that anymore. You can have one-sided news channels that literally create an echo chamber. On top of that, we have the great evil of Facebook, which has created horrible echo chambers where you only need to believe what you want to believe, and you can follow groups that are flat-earth, anti-vax, conservative groups, if that's what you believe, or you can follow uh, other things that believe that we need to burn the whole system down and start again and that can be your only source of news so you only hear things that you agree with um the final thing i think and this might sound very conservative of me is victim culture i think there is a culture on both sides of the aisle where you're the bigger victim um i believe both the racist use it to say well because of equal opportunity i'm losing jobs now and uh you know other people use it to say well i'm the victim because of this and i think that culture has made it popular to be a victim and there Mm -hmm. are true victims but i think uh it's popular to be the victim and both sides try to be the bigger victim to make people feel more guilty for them. And I think those three things alone over the past 40 years have just led to a decline. Now, not to say 40 years ago, we didn't have our own issues, you know, in the eighties, um, there were, things that happen with like the war on drugs that drove us here. But I think when it comes to political divide, those things really hurt us. And the echo chamber makes things really bad. People are unwilling to listen to things they don't agree with. Well, when you, when you have the ability to basically just hear what you want to hear on a daily basis, it, it amplifies your your hatred and your ignorance and you know it all i mean let's it all started with uh with myspace first uh first social media yep you know and it's one of those yeah myspace gave you a platform to express yourself but the problem is the i mean you and I both grow up, grew up in an amazing time. We grew up in the birth of the internet, which was weird and messed up and funky and cool. And no one knew what the fuck they were doing. And the internet in those early days, no one really knew what was going on. And then the whole, uh, you know, mindset of anonymity and the anonymity. There you go. I mean, yeah. Yeah. CNN um, start, you know, came out of that. And then MySpace was like, look, you can create a persona behind a screen. And then we saw Facebook, you know, come to be. 
And in the early stages, it was, yeah, look, this is, uh, you know, just a way for, you know, people to connect and, you know, go through, you know, uh, find each other in college and create friend groups and all of that. And I mean, I find it so interesting looking back. I remember going on college tours and one of the um, tour guides who was a sophomore said, oh, yeah, we have this uh, great thing on campus called the Facebook and uh, it's where, you know, students in your in your grade, you know, you create a little profile. And because this was back when Is Facebook that back was when restricted. you still had to have a college. You ID had to have a college email and a college and email to be on Facebook. I remember the year that Facebook said high school students can join Facebook and going like, oh, this is what everyone's been talking about. I'm in. And look, Jake, this is how old you and I are. A uh, Gmail didn't exist when we were younger. I remember when Gmail was in beta. I'm still kicking myself because G because I used to have a Yahoo email and Gmail came out in beta. And I signed up with my name. I created two Gmail accounts, Aaron Ruby at gmail.com. And then rubles at gmail.com because rubles was my nickname and my gamer tag for everything. And after uh, two months of using Gmail, I went, nah, this isn't going to this isn't going to catch on. Yahoo's so much better. And I and I deleted the, the Aaron Ruby at Gmail and I lost the password for rubles at Gmail. Then two years later, Gmail kicks into full gear, becomes a real thing. And I was like, oh, I need to get back on this. Couldn't get Aaron Ruby at Gmail. Probably could have gotten Aaron at Gmail back then. So, yeah. So here, here's where I am with Gmail. Um, I was in high school and my next door neighbor got one of the beta invites where they were allowed 99 invites to friends and mm -hmm. he gave me an invite so i was on gmail probably in oh five oh six that original gmail account yep. i have since lost the password to but i have been gmail ever since um yeah gmail <laughs> yeah I, you know uh when it comes to social media i i I hold some interesting beliefs on social media. First of all, you know, our parents told us not to trust anything online, and now they're the ones that believe everything they see on Facebook as pure truth. Right. Um, even though half of it is utter bullshit, including just your friends posting pictures to make it look different or like a happier situation than it is. Um, I, I don't believe the government should come in and censor social media, um, yet I do believe social media websites have a social responsibility to um, do some sort of censoring of false information. It's part of the reason uh, Facebook has integrated itself so far into our lives that I can't fully disconnect, but I'm trying my best to disconnect from Facebook. And though I think Twitter waited way too long, I actually agree with them labeling Trump's tweets this week that it could potentially hold false information. They're finally starting to try to do something. 
And I believe they should be doing that not only for people like Trump, but I'm sorry if Biden or Bernie's tweets held bullshit information, Twitter should be labeling it and providing sources on which you could reference why what they're saying might not be true. I 100% agree with you and also slightly disagree with you. Um, and see, this is this is going to be the beauty of our podcast. Um, with the Twitter um, and the whole censoring, um, to, to explain my point, I think in terms of social media, a social media platform, when it gets started, needs to decide whether it is going to censor and control the information that gets shared on it or let it be free and open and let the users themselves basically police it. I feel a social media platform can't um, can't be in the middle on this. They either need to be all in for censorship or um, completely none of it. Um, Twitter in the early days was 100% against censoring. Um, if anybody remembers the early days of Twitter, you could swear, you could post pornography, like there was no rules and it was supposed but to be... Let's, let's just quickly remember Microsoft created a bot for Twitter that was supposed to create fake tweets and within 24 hours was a neo-Nazi bot. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Twitter used to be highly highly uncensored um, in what they did. I mean, look at, um, if you want one of the greatest follies of a social media platform, look no further than Vine. Vine started, and Vine was beautiful and brilliant. Six-minute videos, uh, Vine magic. I mean, I got Vine the second it came out. I loved it. But Vine had made one critical decision in how they wanted to run their platform right or wrong doesn't matter but they went we are not going to censor we are not going to have you know moral guidelines we want this to be an open free platform we don't care about porn you know we will you know we can age restrict things but for the most part it should be an open freedom of expression and it started out great and then what within six months you had um, rampant abuse, rampant pornography, and then a whole uh, child porn section that just went flaming crazy on there. And then they went, oh shit, uh, this didn't work. We need to censor everything. And then what did it even, did Vine even last a year? I don't think so. Right. It, <laughs> When you... So my problem with the whole Twitter thing going right now, first off, I think it's too little too late. You've already you've already created a culture within your platform and any platform that has tried to correct their culture down the road has died. Look what Tumblr did. Uh, oh, God. Last uh, year, they went Tumblr they com died hard, completely for... went. Look, this is our new, you know moral platform this is how we're going to operate what within two months like does anybody use tumblr anymore All i know i don't left right because... and it's one of those like you know 
I wasn't on Tumblr for all the things that they were censoring, but you know, when you go down, when you establish a platform one way and then you decide to change it, the creators are going to leave. My problem with the censoring of Trump is that Twitter, their owner, and a lot of their, you know, whatever they call them, the the censor team, has a personal bias. You know what? That's fine. If you want to have a personal, they're a private company. They're allowed to have a personal bias, but be fucking upfront about it. They keep trying to claim like, no, look, we're just we're just looking out for the facts. You censor Trump, and then you let the leader of an Islamic country post tweets about death to Israel, and if you find a Jew on the street, you should string him up because that's the only thing they're good for. And that's been going on for years, and that's okay. But now we have to censor Trump. Look, if you're going to start censoring the president of the United States, whether you like him or you hate him, you have to. we have to realize one key thing. He's the fucking president of the United States. That is a really, really big stance to take. So I think here's Twitter's problem. They, for the longest time, tried to take this view that world leaders were not like their resident regular users. Um, if Trump was not president, if he was still even just private citizen Donald Trump and was posting the tweets he would have, he's been tweeting, his account would have been suspended or banned, um, a la like James Woods. Um, right. Since he was a world leader, he got a certain level of leniency. I don't know what happened at Twitter this week but they suddenly decided at least for trump um we're still going to allow the tweets to be here but we're going to put some sort of warning in front of it and if you're doing that for one world leader um you got to do it for all i will say they did not retroactively go through trump's tweets and add this so um i think a lot of the tweets people are referencing is still being up are tweets that were made before they did this with Trump's. But if we saw like um, the leader of Iran come on again and threaten uh, certain groups, they should get the same treatment that Donald Trump is now getting. Um, I agree. It's just, you, it's just we have to watch now and see if Trump is, or not Trump, if Twitter, see, they all start with T. If Twitter yeah. is going to follow the, I mean, so this is, I guess this is the the crossroads we're at and we need to pay attention and watch and see what happens because it's one of those is Twitter going to help facilitate a better tomorrow and the middle discussion or are they going to decide to push people to the fringes and it's we have to look to the next couple weeks and if they do start censoring everybody and start putting you know these fact check tags on both sides, then I think we're good. And yeah. I applaud them and I say, good job. It's about time you fucking stepped up. If we only see this on Trump and the White House's Twitter and certain ones that sort of fall within that spectrum, then they're pushing their personal political angle, which from my standpoint, 
is fine. Once again, they're a private company. This is not a government sponsored platform. They're allowed to do it. Everybody's like, oh, freedom of speech. <laughs> you don't you don't get freedom of speech with a private institution. Nope. Uh, you, I own a business. If you come into the business, my business, and say, ah, fuck you, I can put a rope around your neck and drag you out of the store and throw you <laughs> onto the street. I get to choose who to service. You know why? You're in a private business. Don't think... tout your bullshit here. And I think I think Twitter's response has been also a response to Facebook's inaction. They want to be the opposite of Facebook. Um, I think they've always been trying to be compete with Facebook, though I think they're two different platforms used for two different things. Um, I don't think people care about really the walls on Facebook anymore, and Twitter's just a Facebook wall pretty much. I think the other thing is... Um, a lot of people get confused about private companies that are publicly traded. They think that once you're publicly traded, you're somehow bound to the Constitution and need to follow the Constitution because you're a public company. And that's not what a public company is if we had a... uh, you know, more socialist economic system and we had partially government controlled businesses, those businesses that had the government's hands in things would be bound to the Constitution because the government would have involvement. But we are still talking about a capitalist system with private businesses that they are bound by laws but not the Constitution of the United States to like allow freedom of religion, free press, things like that. The First Amendment, it, it, it applies partially to things, but not to a private business. It's more right. about what the government can do to you. And Trump now coming in and trying to say that the government's going to attack these private businesses is actually now a violation of the First Amendment. <laughs> so... Yeah, I I always love when people spew, you know, here's going to be a thing for a podcast. I'm going to call them wingers, okay? A winger is someone who lives either, who is either left wing or right wing. (laughs) I'm going to lump them together and call them wingers because uh, it doesn't matter if they're far left or far right. You're the same person. You're just spouting different bullshit. So... I love when wingers try to apply the Constitution to literally anything that the Constitution doesn't protect. And the First Amendment is always the number one you know, issue that's used. And I think most people think freedom of speech means I have the freedom to say whatever I want. No, that is could not be farther from the truth. Uh, First Amendment freedom of speech means the government can't stop you from saying that like that's it it's the government anybody else can stop you and it doesn't mean you're free from consequences my favorite is when people are like fuck you freedom of speech i'm gonna hit you in the face you can't hit me in the face freedom of speech uh freedom of speech means you can say it but you're not free from the consequences of those speeches I was just about to say that. Uh, 
I think a lot of people do not realize that freedom of speech is not freedom from consequences. <laughs> yeah, you're fucking free to say it. But um, there can be some consequences to the things you say. Um, you know, I, I think for an intro episode, we're running sort of long, so maybe we should tail it up. But I think uh, nothing more shows this off than I don't know if you saw about that uh, lady in Central Park who um, tried to call the cops on a bird watcher. Um mm-hmm. And say that the bird watcher was threatening her and got a shrill voice to try to fake that this uh, African-American bird watcher was attacking her. Um, luckily, he took video of it and nothing happened to him. Uh, you know, the cops didn't show up and kill him because that was a potential from that. Um, but she lost her job. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, you just brought this whole thing full circle back to uh, the start of this with all the protests, because what did she do? She said, I'm going to tell the cops that an African-American man is attacking me. Most people don't really understand that threat. She threatened the guy and said, basically what she said is, the cops, if you don't leave me alone, I'm going to get the cops here so that they can shoot you. Yep. You want to talk about the core of the Black Lives Matter protest? It is that single incident right there that this stigma and what cops have been doing you know, throughout the country is so pervasive that a woman believed that she could threaten an African-American man by telling him, I am going to tell the cops that you are black and you are attacking me. And because of and if you don't leave me alone, they're going to show up and they are kill you and they're going to kill you. And she hoped that that would strike fear into him. And, and let's be clear on why she was threatening him. She was in a part of the park that you need to have your dog on a leash. She had her dog off a leash. And um, th- this man has come out and said that he carries dog treats around in his pocket just for these situations to kind of teach the uh, owners a lesson. He offers the dog a treat to see if the dog will come over to him to try mm-hmm. to teach him a lesson. Like, hey, have your dog leashed. Um, so he uh, pretty much told her, I'm going to do that. At which point she flipped out and called the cops on him. Uh, meanwhile, because her dog wasn't on the leash, choking her dog, which Strangling has also gotten the fuck out of him, taken away from her by the adoption agency, um, just literally being what I think people would call a Karen. And this one hundred percent black man is absolutely amazing. And I, I feel bad I forgot his name, but I think. Um, he's a avid bird watcher. He is, was part of one of the original LBGT groups in New York city in the eighties. He was an editor at DC comics and now he, or Marvel comics, one of the two comic book places and now edits something else. This was, he is an upstanding citizen that was just trying to show, Hey lady, keep your dog on a leash. Um, 
me and my wife have threatened to call uh, the cops on people before for not keeping their dogs on leashes when they should. Um, we were treated differently because we were white, but um, her response shows racism in America and what it is. This happened in New York City, which, you know, everyone totes as like, oh, New York City, it's this liberal bastion peace and free love and it's like well that no it's a liberal state it's a liberal city but there are hardcore racists in new york city i mean where we live i don't think you have to drive but an hour and a half outside of rochester maybe even not that far to see confederate flags hanging in upstate new york um and racism is an issue in america about something uh racism is not exclusive to any one side of the political spectrum. No. It exists on both sides, and I am going to apologize to all of my left-wingers out there that are listening to us, all one of you. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm sorry, but uh, liberals can be just as racist as conservatives, and if you don't believe me, read a fucking history textbook and learn about the riots in New York City during the abolitionist movement when they didn't want free blacks coming up from the South and settling in New York. Or how about during the Civil War when white men were being drafted and they rioted in New York City because they felt the free blacks should have to be should have to be drafted and fight alongside of them. Uh Racism has never been exclusive to one side. And like, yeah, this is this is where we are right now. Yeah. Um, we could probably do a whole episode of American racism. <laughs> uh, I think we have a ton of episodes we could do. But this it, is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. And it's been I'm fun to meet up for our intro episode which really got into a debate about what what's been happening um just most recently i think uh the next episode we should take a look back at the constitution and kind of look at the founding of america yeah and not that it won't bring modern topics into it but we need to really understand to understand american politics you have to understand American politics. Absolutely. <laughs> there, there is now 200 years of history in American politics that are the sources for why we are the way we are today. It's not that we can't improve, but you have to understand the past to make the future better. Absolutely. In the future, we will be uh, much more structured and much more prepared. Jake yeah, we'll have I, a topic. We will have topics. We will have uh, notes. No, we won't. Well, Jake might have notes. I, I don't prepare. I sort of go off on the fly. Marketing I mean, major was, versus poli-sci major. I was so. reading and highlighting some of the Federalist papers to see if there was going to be anything important to bring up when we talked about the current, uh, you know, um, protests and riots that were happening, but I didn't find <laughs> anything. So yes, there will be uh, research and notes and not only books, but I might bring notebooks depending on the topic <laughs> and have like a well-informed argument um, really depending on the topic. Yeah. 
this is uh, this is going to be a podcast of of discussion, uh, debate. If uh, we don't agree and Jake ends up being on the wrong side of something, um, no, we'll just bring on a third party to be on the wrong side of the argument. I love that idea. Let's bring a winger on, and then we can just oh, both make fun God. of them. I, I, I definitely could bring on um, at least one winger or two for you. I definitely know at least one or two on the left side, and I might know a couple on the right side that I might be able to convince <laughs> to, to come on. That'll be fun. And that's not fair to them because you know I can play devil's advocate on either side. <laughs> and I just like making people who are wingers feel uncomfortable and challenge all of their beliefs. So, yeah. Well, uh, on a non political note, I do actually wish you luck uh, with phase two starting. Uh, Thank you. I know you guys can actually have customers in the store now. We can. So, for those of you that don't know, um, I am the president of Ruby Gordon Furniture, uh, conveniently located in Henrietta and Greece, as long as those stores have not been burned to the ground tonight. Um, hopefully not, because it is kind of hard to stick a sofa in your pocket to all those <laughs> protesters that are listening. Uh, please don't loot a furniture store. It is not convenient if you would like to steal the topiaries or the fake trees. Just give me a call. I will be happy to give them to you. They've been around since the 80s. So just do um, uh, like what Michaels does and put those outside the store expecting them to get stolen. <laughs> like when they put the Christmas pine cones outside the store in March. <laughs> but yeah, nope. Um, thank you very much. Uh, phase two should... Uh, well... Let's hope phase two keeps moving forward, although a couple hundred people within, you know, three inches of each other might fuck up this whole thing for the rest of us. But, uh, uh, nope, we are still set to open fully tomorrow. We have limited hours. We have, we are going to be limiting the number of customers in our store, um, I have read way too much about how to sanitize products uh, <laughs> we have a vendor that uh developed a um fine mist sanitation spray that you can basically someone because one of the biggest fears is contact um spread so you can literally come test a sofa uh in the store and we have a you know just a spray bottle sprays um sits on the fabric you give it a couple minutes and it should kill everything that's on it so we're prepared we're ready we're excited to uh be able to start uh selling some furniture again and beautifying people's homes so i i'm sorry i'm gonna do this to you we were we were wrapping up but you mentioned something and i've got one last topic that i think is going to take less than 10 minutes okay you brought up the spread of covid okay i, got, I gotta criticize the media for a second okay <laughs> Please when do. the right wing gun people were out doing their gun protest and their protest in Michigan, mm -hmm. all you heard about was, oh, my God, they're so close together. They're not wearing masks. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I agree with this week's protest, but 
no one's been talking about how close together people are during a pandemic. And sometimes the lack of masks in these protests, is it that it suddenly doesn't matter now? Or is there some reason this protest is different when it comes to safety procedures for a virus? Well, let's make something perfectly clear. Um, something that the evidence has shown from the very beginning. This virus is incredibly smart. I mean, its intellectual level is that higher than a human's capacity to think. It is able to differentiate between a Walmart and a, um, you know, a restaurant. It is able to tell the difference between a, um, a right-wing protest and a left-wing protest. So, you know, okay. um, it's, it's able to tell the difference, you know, between, um, you know, a, a, a fishing compound and, you know, an, an archery range, you know, these are, these are proven facts that this virus, um, you know, is, is able to, you know, pinpoint where it will infect people. And I think that's, that's the true reason. And for anyone listening to this podcast that thinks that the last uh, three minutes of anything I've said is true. Um, <laughs> my level of sarcasm is uh, that of uh, a high level. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It, see that what you just brought up and why did you bring this up? Because you trigger my conspiracy brain, you know, oh, it's a t- oh, oh. tiny little gremlin that lives inside <laughs> of me that, that goes, uh, nothing is true. Everything is permitted. And that's from, uh, basically my formative years playing Assassin's Creed, um, which well, r- real quick, Assassin's Creed, one of the best video games, um, to ever come out. And it actually helped me, uh, ace a test in college, <laughs> um, that had history and it was because of Assassin's Creed 2, the best Assassin's Creed game. And if you don't agree with me, fuck you. And I will fight you in a parking lot. No, it's uh, the best one. Yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, I remember getting a question right on the test that almost no one in the class got. Um, and the teacher asked me how I was able to, because it was a bonus question, how did I know the answer? And I literally responded with, because I play video games. And the teacher was like, that is not what I wanted to hear. Um, yeah. Uh, so th- that's just a, a shout out to, I guess, our, our right wing listener, since we have three listeners, a right wing, a left wing, <laughs> and a moderate listener, um, that I do think it's unfair the treatment that we gave right wing protesters versus left wing protesters when it came to the virus. Um, just looking at the news alone, they were not attacked for their lack of social distancing. Yes, more of the left-wing protesters were wearing masks. Yes, uh, people wrapped Perel bottles to trees to (laughs) keep your hands clean. But that does not mean it was any less of a potential contaminating event for people. Right. We are still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, So there is that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll devote a future episode to talking about the pandemic. Who knows? It changes every day. Uh, Fauci has flip-flopped at least four times on whether to wear a mask or not. Um, here's here's my bottom line with the pandemic. Be smart. Be safe. Wash your fucking hands. 
wear a mask if you're within licking distance of someone ask someone else if you're sick stay the fuck home um if you don't want to wear a mask fine just don't come too close to other people if uh, you're afraid of getting the virus how about this stay the fuck home let other people go about their day that's it i think we can start using common sense yeah um, my other piece of advice to people is if you are properly washing your hands, also moisturize. My hands have never been more dry than they have right now. My cuticles are cracking. They hurt to wash. Um, I, it means I'm washing my hands properly, but people moisturize as well. Jake, 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 Jake. No, you are using the wrong soap, my friend. <laughs> No, you need you need to pamper yourself. You need to treat yourself. Uh, in my household, the only hand soap we have is moisturizing with aloe. Oh yeah, no, we've got uh, uh, Meyer's hand soap. Uh, now that hand soap's hard to find, we've got a couple other brands. There's a Top Care or two hanging around. Um, the, no, the, okay. We're going to keep this podcast going just for a little bit longer because, and and for all your listeners, this is what it's going to be every week, every every podcast. You're going to think it's done. It's like a classical music concert. That violin starts playing and you're like, we're at the end. Psych, 45 minutes later, he's still fucking playing it. Okay, just real quick, quick hit. There are two things you do not cheap out on. That is hand soap. And toilet paper. When this whole COVID thing began and people were buying up all the toilet paper and then I went to Costco and they were out of toilet paper and people were like, can I use paper towel? Oh, oh no. Oh, Don't no. treat the booty. Let, let me make one thing clear. There's only one type of toilet paper that makes its way into my house. It is either... It is either... Charmin Plus with aloe or Cottonelle with aloe and lotion. Okay? Your your bum needs to be treated. You need to treat it like a goddess, okay? Keep it clean. Keep it nice. Use wet wipes, okay? People just just use and dry paper. No, use wet wipes. If you get fancy, like I plan to on my next house, get a bidet. And, yes. you know, I want to go all out. I want to get one of the ones that has the person profile and sets it to the right temperature for what your butt likes uh, all out. When it comes to toilet paper, we buy the Wegmans brand toilet paper. I, I do enjoy it. And uh, Charmin, you got to be careful. It's easy to clog a toilet with Charmin. Because it's thick, <laughs> comfortable toilet paper. Mm, but, uh, oh, it's so Not so, so easy with the Wegmans brand to clog a toilet. <laughs> so. There you have it, folks. Protect your bum. Treat yourself. Get high-grade toilet paper. Wash your hands with moisturizing soap. Yeah, everyone. Until the next time we decide to sit down at this tavern and talk politics, have a great night. Peace.